Welcome to the Edge Youth Podcast. This is a place where we get to connect with our students or anyone who would like to hear some biblical inspiration throughout their week. Whether you are here to listen to a sermon from youth service, a lesson from our youth class, or even a hot topic conversation, I hope and pray that you will benefit from the content and that you will be blessed. Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be reading verse 18 through 20. When I began to uh, write this message out, I realized that this would not be a single lesson message, that we're going to have two lessons because uh, it just it just kept going. So, um, But that's good. That's really good. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. If you're there, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon. His other name was Peter or whose surname, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting, on, putting a net into the sea and were fishermen. This is a different version, uh, translation. And they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now I'm going to read the King James Version, verse 18. Through 20. For verily I say unto you, till heaven, or excuse me, that's the wrong. <laughs> and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So, <clears throat> this is Peter and his brother, and this is kind of what we're going to go in depth about is. Peter. So let's pray. Let's ask God to bless us right now. God, we thank you for this time and this opportunity. God, we ask you that you anoint us, bless us, strengthen us. God, lead us and guide us. Open up our ears. Allow us to hear your word. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. I want to talk about today the process of my walk, the process of my calling, the process of my relationship with God. We're going to dive into the life of Peter. In different places in his walk with God, we will examine the things that he had done and experienced as he walked down a path that would eventually lead him to one of the greatest experiences that this world would ever have, and the greatest message that this world would ever receive, and that is the Acts 2.38 message, the very beginning of the church, the very beginning of our doctrine, being apostolic, the very beginning of who we are. His path, though, was not always easy, and it did not always go the right way. But I think that because of this, it is easy for us in our generation to relate to him, okay? So many years later, it is easy for us to just think that uh, because we are a Christian, that everything should go according to plan, but that's simply not the truth. So we're going to compare a little bit of Peter's lives, life to our lives, okay? God is, the Bible is generational. You could take almost anything in the Bible and you could relate it to who you are today. You could take anything in the Bible and you could relate it to the situations that we go through today. And that's what we're going to do with Peter. There will be things that you don't like and there will be things that you do not feel that you 
want to do. And there will be times where you feel that you have failed and that you won't make it in your calling and that you won't make it in your walk with God, that you're going to fail as a Christian and that you're not going to succeed, that you're going to fall out of church or you're not, your ministry is not going to be successful. This is a common thought process in our lives, okay? When you're, <clears throat> when you're a teenager, you will question whether or not you want to go on in church. Truth. Anybody, Connor? Ever been there? Okay, Anthony? Sister Gabby? Lena? Daniel? Ever been there? Yeah? You 18, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, you ever been there? You will question whether or not you want to continue your walk with God. And that is not, I, I, say, it, I say it like this, that is not a bad thing, okay? You should always come to this point. You should always come to this transition in your life because it moves you from relying on the relationship of others and their relationship with God to relying on your own relationship with God. It's not a bad question to ask, do I want to continue in this and why do I do this? Okay, because that's showing that you're at the point where you need to grow. Throughout your teenage years, you're, at, you're, you're listening to the man of God teach. You're doing what mommy and daddy tells you to do. But there comes a point where you have to make a decision. And I'm telling you right now that your decision should be God. If you go down the other way, there will be good times. There will be times where you're happy. And there will be times where things seem okay. But in the end, the end result is not the result you want. Okay? The pleasures of sin last for a season. However long that season may be, it will last until that moment. And when that moment ends, you're going to look back on life and you're going to think, oh my gosh. We, this uh, past weekend, we went to back to the battlefield. I want everybody to listen to this, okay? Because <clears throat> this was somebody that's younger than me, somebody that has grown up in the Pentecostal doctrine, somebody that has experienced the Pentecostal doctrine. They said to one of our students, they just started getting back into church, okay? And they said to one of our students, don't ever leave God. Because he will chase you and you will never forget it. He will always be pursuing you and you will struggle with that fact until you come back to God. This was a backslider that was coming back into church. Okay? You need to listen to that. That's not Brother Brian. That's a backslider coming back into church. So, so the first thing, I'm getting off my notes. I got to get back to my notes. Okay? I always do it. So, I know. <laughs> So the first thing that we look at is the call of Peter's life. Come with me and I will make you fishers of men. First, it is important that Jesus gives Peter, that, that we realize that Jesus does not give Peter a specific call. Does he say, Peter, come with me and I will make you a preacher. Peter, come with me and I will make you an apostle. Peter, come with me and I will make you uh, a song leader or worship leader, or a hyphen director, or a youth pastor. He doesn't say that. He says, Peter, come with me, and I will make you fishers of men. In fact, all of the 12 that were called were called to win souls first and foremost. They were not called to preach. They were not called to, uh, to uh, 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 teach. They weren't called to be um, Sunday school teachers. They weren't called to be anything else but soul winners. And that is something that we, as an apostolic generation, sometimes overlook, even though it's preached consistently. 
okay? We want to do these things. We have to learn to win souls. When's the last time you asked a rhetorical question? Because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But when's the last time you asked someone to come to church? When's that last time you said, hey, come to church? Okay? Hey, we're having a special speaker this Sunday. Come to church. Hey, I would really enjoy it if you come to church with me. When's the last time you asked somebody? I've found that in your guys' status, in your guys' age, one of the greatest ways to draw closer to God is win somebody to the Lord. If you change somebody's life, what will happen is this, right? Okay, how many have been here in church most of their lives? Okay, perfect, okay? This is what will happen. Sister Angela can attest to this, uh, but this is what will happen, okay? When we're in church our whole lives, we do not realize and understand how important God is and how great God is. We don't understand how much he changes people's lives. But when you win somebody to the Lord and you watch the transformation in that person, in that moment, you understand how good God is through the soul that you helped bring to God because you see the transformation in their life. So you want to get close to God, win a soul. Bring somebody to church. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So these were that God did not tell them they would preach. God did not tell them that they would go heal. God did not tell them that they would be the foundation of the church, at least not yet. He called them to become soul winners. And the first and foremost thing that we should do, the core of our life, is to win souls, to bring people from this world into the church. And then from there, your calling, your ministry, and your walk with God will transform into something that has a title, something that, had that, you, that we look at like now, oh, you're the youth pastor, you're important. No, 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 no. You, Taylor, are just as important as me. Okay? You guys have to get that in your, in your mind. You are just as important as Brother Brian. Okay? You are the body of Christ. Okay? I may be the shoulder. Okay? Or I may be the hand, but you're the shoulder. Without the shoulder, you can't have the hand. Okay? You are the body of Christ. So you are just as important. We have to have you working in the body. And God will transform you through the calling of winning souls. That's what God called you to do, Daniel. That's what God called you to do, Alina. That's what God called you to do, Case, is to win souls. Okay? I want to teach in Sunday school. I want to preach. I want to sing. I want to do all these things. I had a person one time come to me and said, I feel called to go to this this, uh, this um, home missions church to uh, help them win souls. And I asked him, well, how many souls have you won for this church? None. Well, you probably should start learning to win souls before you go teach somebody else to learn to win souls, right? You should probably start winning souls in your own church and fortify your own ministry, okay? So it's important for us to win souls. That is the core of every ministry. It is the core, I think it's a POA, that if you want to be in the choir, you have to win a soul a year. You have to bring someone to God, one, I think it's POA, you have to bring uh, one person to church a year and give them a Bible study and minister them and bring them to God. Your first step in God, God's work in, is to win souls or be someone that has helped to win souls and accompany somebody in their walk with God to becoming a Christian. 
Peter was not going to jump on the scene and take the whole world by storm. He preached the greatest message, but he did not preach the greatest message until the process was finished. He had to learn to wait. That is something that we have a hard time doing. We feel that God has called us to do something specific, but before he has called you to do anything specific, he has called you to win them souls. So we have a hard time waiting. We have a hard time going through the process for God to get us to where we need to be because we want to see it done now. And that's not the way God works. You have to go through the process. God shows you to do his work, and he will continue to do so if you chase after him. So keep doing what you're doing and allow God to move in your life. So first and foremost, Peter's first call was to win souls. God calls us first. He's called all of you. I don't have a calling, Brother Brian. Yes, you do. Anybody ever felt that they don't have a calling? Thank you, Brother Anthony. Anybody else? Be, be honest, okay? It's okay, okay? The reason we feel like that is because we don't understand that the only calling, the first calling, is to win souls. How, how many ever thought, how, how many of us ever felt that our first calling was to win souls? Or was your first calling to be a preacher? Or was your first calling to be uh, a, a missionary? Or was your first calling to lead this or do this? Was that your first calling? That's what we think. That's not the way it is. You are all called. Every one of us. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be reading verse 15 through 24. Okay, this is the next step that I'm going to talk about in Peter's life. We're going to stop halfway through. We're going to commentate on it, and then we're going to read the rest of it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 24. Let's all clap our hands. Praise the Lord. Everybody there? I'm not there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 24. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Anybody ever hear of this verse? Who do you say that I am? Before this verse, some say that you're a liar. Some say you're this. Some say you're that. Some say you're a prophet. Okay. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say, and I say also, upon thee that, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever thou shalt bind on earth, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. So now here we are at this great point in Peter's life. Has anybody ever been there? Pastor's preaching or a man of God's preaching, and God just hits you. Okay, that's that calling, that calling that we see, the youth pastor calling or the, the worship leader calling or the uh, preacher calling. That's the calling that we see. We're like, yes, that's what I'm supposed to be, right? We've all been at this point. A lot of us have been at this point. Where we just feel this overwhelm. Oh, man, you know, that, 
that vote of uh, affirmation. Good job, Case. You're going to do great things for God. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do great things for God. This is where Peter's at. Jesus is telling him, hey, I'm going to build my church on people like you, Peter. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail on that church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon you, I'm going to build, upon this foundational truth, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Upon that truth and upon you, I'm going to resurrect an amazing church. Or I'm going to, I'm going to make a church that has a lot of people in it and great things going on upon you, each and every one of you. Because you are connected to God. And it goes deeper than skin. You see with your spirit, Peter. You're looking through your spirit. Taylor, if I told you, I'm sorry I'm picking on you today. If I told you that we are going to have a hundred or 500 soul revival next week, what is your first thought? Great. What's your second thought? Mm-hmm. Daniel, what's your first thought if I say we're going to have we're going to have a thousand souls to be baptized next week? That's a good thought. Okay. What's your first thought, Anthony? What's your second thought? Exactly. Are you sure? What's your first thought? Is it? Because there's a thousand people that live right behind us. People were answering Jesus and saying, that some say thou art Elias, and some say thou art this person, a prophet, and you know, some say all this stuff. They were looking with their flesh. Okay? But Peter was looking with his spirit. Did you question if I would have said that to you, would you have questioned in your mind? That we're actually going to have a thousand souls? It's okay to say yes. Would you, Sister Angel? Good. Wow. Listen, holy, you guys are looking through the spirit. Praise the Lord. Connor? You question it? Exactly. You question it. Stop looking through your flesh, bro. It's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is the foundation of the church is examining your walk with God and what God is able to do through the spirit. He was identifying that Peter was not looking through the flesh, that he was looking through the spirit. Your walk with God will, will, uh, is, is predicated and your walk with God is, is det- it's detrimental that you look through the spirit, that you stop looking through the flesh. We're going to have a hundred soul revival. Praise the Lord. The backsliders are going to come to church. Praise the Lord. You can't question them things if you're looking through the spirit. And that is a step in your walk with God, to stop questioning things based on our flesh. I believe that, there, that we right now are in the moment where backsliders are going to start flooding the church. They are going to start coming. Brother Brian, I've heard that before. I don't care what you heard before. I don't care what your flesh has heard before. I care what the Spirit of God is saying to me. And the Spirit of God is saying to me that we're getting ready to have a revival, not just of new souls, but of old souls that have walked away. We have to believe in the Spirit. We have to look in the Spirit. And that's what Peter was doing. 
He was examining the situation, not through the eyes of the flesh, but through the eyes of the spirit. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Is there any hesitation in that, that sentence? Is there any point where you would listen to that sentence and you would say, Peter doubts what he's saying? No. He knew that Jesus Christ was the prophecy. He knew that Jesus Christ was the salvation. He knew that Jesus Christ had come to save the world. He knew that he was all these things that Isaiah talked about. And he knew that, that, that Jesus was the Christ. And he had no doubt because he was looking through his eyes. I mean, through his spirit. And that's what we have to learn to do as Christians. Carson, you have to start looking through the spirit. You have to start looking through the spirit, Eric, Billy. You have to start looking through the spirit because if we look through the flesh, there are a lot of other things in this world that would be appeasing and there would be a lot of other things in this world that would seem impossible. But when you're speaking about God, when the impossible comes, when it's, until it's impossible, it's not probable. Once it becomes impossible to our flesh, then it becomes probable to God. Because we understand that our flesh, it can't do it. Our flesh can't see it. So we have to start examining with our spirit. We have to start examining from within. We have to start looking at things in the perspective of the spirit of God. Amen? We can't stop looking. We can't start looking at our friend that is in church and saying there's no hope for them. We can't do that. That's a fleshly watch. Okay? So... Jesus here tells Peter that it was, it was him and it was, excuse me, tells him that this is what I will build my church on. And then he tells him, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He gives Peter a revelation of what the next part of his calling and walk would be. But he does not give him the keys yet. Peter understands now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? He gave you, gives you a revelation. Have you ever felt that? That a bunch of souls are going to come to church. And then you're like, well, how's it going to happen? He gave you the revelation that's going to happen. It doesn't mean he always, he's always going to give you the keys. Peter would not have understood it, and we're going to get there. He wouldn't understand. He didn't understand how he was going to get the keys. Actually, he fought against it, how he was going to get the keys. Okay, so Peter gets this revelation. I'm going to do something great. Anybody ever felt that you were going to do something great? Okay, right? And you felt good about it. And you felt affirmed about it. And you felt like God was going to do it. Okay, but he didn't give you the answer of how he was going to do it. Okay? So he gives Peter the foundation. He says he's going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. God may or may not reveal things to you. You have to make sure that it is from God first and foremost but if he does, make sure that you understand that a calling is just that. The fulfillment of that calling takes time, effort, failure, and victory. And it takes the process of God telling you what he's going to do into your life. And it takes that process from that point, going through it, to God giving you the how he's going to do it. You want to know how we win souls? You, want, you Ask that question. How? How are we going to do that? You want me to tell you how? God's already gave us that key. Invite someone to church. That's how. We don't need Lee Stone King, Brother Lee Stone King, to come and preach a message for us to have revival. 
We have anointed men of God preaching every single week. Invite someone to church. That's how. If every one of us invited someone to church, say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 19, okay? We would have 19 souls that came to church if we got them to come to church. That's just in here. We get their families of them 19 souls. That's over 100 easily. You see what I'm saying? It's not impossible. We just have to ask. So, just because God tells you something does not mean that you are going to see it right away. It just means that you are the foundational piece to build it. But you've got to start swinging the hammer and you've got to start working. And sometimes you have to go through the fire to get there. Sometimes you have to go through things to get there. Peter was looking through the Spirit, and he realized God is going to do something great. Just like we look through the Spirit, God is going to do something great. God is going to move in our service next door. God is going to do the miraculous. But then comes the flesh. Verses 20 through 24. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things. Okay? So now he's telling them, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be what? Killed. I'm going to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed. This is what he's telling Peter. Peter just gets his great revelation from Christ and that same Christ is now telling him, I'm going to go and die. Um, and, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Peter began to rebuke Jesus. A few verses, and Peter goes from looking with the Spirit to examining the situation with the flesh. Your first thought, that's great. Your second thought, uh, I don't know if we can do that. Your first thought, thought, oh, that's amazing. Second thought, are you sure? You have to put your second thought in discipline to your first thought. That's real. I'm, I'm dead serious. You guys need to listen to that. You need to put your second thought in discipline to your first thought. Because your first thought when you're praying and when you're worshiping is God will give you something and you'll think, that's amazing. And then your second thought will be, well, I don't know if you should do that. You need to put that second thought in subjection to that first thought. Okay? Because your flesh starts to enter in. He had just told Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He had just told Peter that thou art the Christ. He knew the prophecy. He knew that he would be slain from the foundation. He knew that he would go through these things. He knew that this was going to happen. But in the moment he began to examine with the flesh, he began to doubt Jesus and even rebukes him. He rebukes him. Think about this, Connor. Sorry, I'm using you so much, but um, God tells you, you need to go up and speak to the atheist, and you need to tell them that you need to come to church. Oh, man, that's great. Oh, man, that's when I get to work. I'm going to 
excuse me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell that atheist that you need to come to church. I'm going to get into, get into, into his heart and I'm going to pull against his heart and I'm going to get him to come to church. And then your second thought is, God, why would you tell me to do that? He's, he's not going to believe in you. You rebuked God. Because your first thought is telling you to go and do it. Your second thought is saying, God, I rebuke what you have told me because that can't happen. This is your walk with God. This is what Christians go through. It is in every single one of you. Every single one of us have done it. Every single one of us have thought, uh, I'm going to go tell my brother to come to church. I'm going to go tell my sister to come to church. And your second thought is, I can't tell them to come to church because they're so... uh, um, backwards or they're so messed up or you know they're so engulfed in the world that they'll never come you rebuked what god told you to do god told peter i'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and then he thinks well you're going to die so we're all going to fail he went from looking in the spirit to looking in the flesh and peter took him and began to rebuke him be it far from thee lord this shall not be done unto you Hear it. You will not do this. This shall not be done unto you. God, you want to use me? You want me to do this crazy thing? You want me to, to uh, by all looks of it, the flesh would say Jesus Christ is gone, a goner. If he's going to die, he's a goner. God, you want to go do this crazy thing? Why do you want me to do this crazy thing? This shall not be done. I will not do this. And we will refuse the will of God because we are looking through our flesh. God has called some of us to flip our world upside down. And because we examine through the flesh, we will deny it. And we will tell God himself that it is not his will. But he turned and he said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter went from being the person that was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven and the church would be built on this rock to being Satan. This is a walk with God. You will go from being called to going through things in your life where you will have to be rebuked by God. And you will have to take control under the authority of God. I rebuke them things. I listen to a message today. When, when temptation comes, okay, and you don't rebuke it instantly like Jesus did right here, that temptation will grow into a castle. It will grow into a stronghold. And you will entertain that temptation. What you need to start doing, okay, how many was blessed Friday night when they, went, when they came to church, okay? How many of them faced a trial the very next day? Anybody? Did you rebuke it? Answer that in your mind. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus Christ that will not have dominion in my heart because this is the walk of a Christian. They will get blessed and then something will come against them and they refuse to rebuke it because they're looking through the flesh. You need to allow that spirit to take dominion and overcome. Amen? Is this making sense, guys? Okay? But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. 
God revealed that I was Christ. Now you're not savoring the things that be of God. You see how fast it can turn? You see how fast your walk with God can turn from being blessed and being chosen to thinking that you are no good? <clears throat> but those are the things of men. Then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto his disciple, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up thy cross and follow me. See, what he was saying to Peter is, yes, you look through the Spirit, but now you have to deny yourself what you are thinking. So right after he tells Peter that I'm going to build the church on, <clears throat> on you, then he turns around and rebukes him. The difference is the Spirit and the flesh. While the first scripture that we read was Spirit-led, the second was flesh-led. And that is what will happen. We get these revelations of what God wants to do in our lives and we get to the next part in our walk with God and then we turn around and we don't like the answer that we are given so we turn on God. Jesus told them, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be taken and I'm going to be betrayed in the hands of man. And Peter looks at him and says, no, you're not. This is not going to happen. And he began to argue with the Lord. God just told him that the gates of hell would not prevail against him. And instantly, the gates of hell prevailed against him. Because he was the foundation, and the church had not been built yet. He was in the beginning stages. The gates of hell did not prevail against the church, but it did prevail against Peter. Because he was the foundation. He was beginning to build the church, but the church had not been built yet. He had not yet received power from on high. This is the foundation, Peter, that I am the Christ. That's the beginning. And when this thing is all said and done, you're going to have the power and the authority to overcome the gates of hell. But in this moment, he did not. From this moment on, you will find that Peter made some mistakes. You will find that Peter... I feel consistently struggled with this fact. Peter consistently struggled with the fact that Christ was going to die on the cross. And it shows throughout his walk. And we're going to get there into my next lesson, okay? It shows throughout his walk that Peter consistently struggled with the fact that Christ was going to die, okay? He consistently struggled with the answer of how he would get the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He did not understand that Christ had to die, Taylor, for him to get the keys. He did not understand that Christ had to go to the cross in order for him to achieve the calling. That thing had to die in order to receive power. And sometimes in our Christian walk with God, we must understand there are things that will die in our lives in order for us to receive power. Things have to die. Okay? One of the greatest weapons on you is distraction. Many of you felt blessed Friday night, but did you pray Saturday? Were you in the presence of God on Saturday? What are some of the distractions that come up? What are some of the things that come up that our flesh will start putting in our eyes? As Christians, Peter's distraction was the death of Christ. He could not get over it. 
What are some distractions that we have as Christians? Anybody? Anyone want to answer? Social media. That's very good. I didn't even have that down here. Any others? Friends. Friends. Relationships. Very good. Relationships first and foremost. Gossip. Gossip will destroy your walk with God. Because if you are constantly talking about the negative, you will be negative. You want to know one of the biggest distractions? And I'm going to tell this, and then we're going to finish. Because this is very important. Other people's relationship with God. We will get upset in the church because we look at other people's relationship with God and we wonder why they're doing this or why they're doing that. Or we begin to judge their walk with God and it will kill your walk with God. It is one of the greatest distractions and tools of the enemy. I read a post, just, uh, I don't know when I read it, but my Uncle Jay posted and he talked about this woman coming up and saying, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, I'm leaving this church. People are always on their phones, they're doing sin, they're doing all this kind of stuff. I'm going to leave church. And the pastor said, okay, I want you to do one thing before you leave. I want you to walk around the church two times with a glass of water. And if you spill one drop of that water, you're not allowed to leave. So she walked around, she was very careful, and she was watching that cup of water. And she walked around the church, and she walked around the church. She got back to the pastor's office, she said, there you go. He said, did you spill anything? He said, no. He said, let me ask you a question. Did you see anybody on your phones, on their phones? No. Did you see anybody gossiping? No. Did you see anybody sinning? No. Did you see anybody doing bad things and judging them? No. The problem is not them. The problem is you are focused on the wrong thing, the distraction. You need to stop worrying about everybody else and their walk with God, and you start worrying about your walk with God, and through that, you will become the foundational point for revival. That's what Peter did. For the next 20 chapters, Peter struggles. For the next 20 chapters, Peter is distracted. He does some great things and some good things that you will see time and time again where he failed until he was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So, there is a process in your walk with God. There is a process. You are called, okay? You are given your calling, you're chosen, you're, you're, you give this, this inspirational moment, and then you will start your trials. You look with your spirit, and then you start looking with your flesh. Did you feel God on Friday night, Sister Carly? God moved on you. I seen it. It was awesome. It was amazing. Okay? The moments after that is your flesh. Subject your flesh to your spirit. I rebuke this thought. I rebuke this thing. I don't care if it's a person. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. That doesn't really work. You, I could give you a story. I won't, but I could give you a story. I can't. I have rebuked people in the name of Jesus, and it worked. Okay? It does work. If it did not work, it would not be in the Bible. You need to rebuke things in the name of Jesus. You have been given power and authority to do so. Because when you don't rebuke the evil things in the name of Jesus, you're rebuking Jesus himself through your flesh. Amen?